today I honestly wouldn't be recording this episode if I weren't committed to staying on a consistent schedule. I do the episodes currently live every Monday within the Beyond Measure community, which is a private community that you are welcome to join. It is free. It is open to anyone as long as they're willing to adhere to the values, the ethics of the group, which are based in kindness and self-acceptance and doing our best not to judge ourselves or others. And it's because of those values that I am recording this in addition to my val my personal value of being in integrity with my word. I also value the members and the people that show up and count, count on me and each other. I think that is a huge element of community showing up for each other, even when it's hard showing up for ourselves, even when it's really challenging. And today I want to share why it was challenging for me to, well, you know, I'm pausing for a moment because even the idea of something being challenging is interesting. I guess it, it's very relative because I wouldn't say it was that hard to show up. It's just that the effort is different. I'm showing up differently. Maybe that's a better way of putting this. And I think that's a great overview of my experience today. So I woke up this morning. I don't remember exactly when it started, but it was shortly after I got out of bed. I just felt a little bit off. I actually felt slightly nauseous and I thought, uh oh, am I sick? But no, I, I, I figured I wasn't sick. I've been experimenting with different medications for sleep. And I'll give you a quick update on that since I've shared a lot of this. I'm trying so many different things to figure out my sleep issues. And if you haven't heard me talk about it before, I have been struggling with sleepwalking and sleep talking and various activity in my sleep. And this happens very frequently. I've noticed, especially since I got this whoop tracking device, which is a little wristband that I wear practically 24 seven. I, I take it off when I shower, but I guess I don't really have to. That's a little side the point, but my sister is the one that introduced me to this device and she never takes it off unless I don't even know what her, her examples are. I think you can literally wear it 24 seven, but I feel a little uncomfortable wearing something electronic when I'm in the shower or swimming or whatever. Anyways, I wear it most of the time is my point. And my favorite component of the whoop device is that it, it gives really impressive data for sleep. And I've been kind of conducting my own sleep study for a huge part of my life and it keeps getting more and more intense as technology evolves or as technology evolves, my tracking becomes more and more specific. And this device shows me what my sleep is like. It's, it's pretty fascinating because one big thing I realized that oddly I never knew up until a few months ago when I started wearing this device is that 
when you go to bed and when you wake up is not necessarily the amount of time that you sleep. Is this obvious to anyone else? <laughs> I'm very curious because to me, I thought, okay, if I go to bed at, for me, it's an average of midnight. If I wake up at nine or nine 30, I received nine or nine and a half hours of sleep. I've thought that my entire life. And then with the whoop, it tells you how, how many hours or minutes of sleep you actually get. And I was shocked to find out I was averaging seven and a half hours of sleep. Even the times that I've slept 10 hours, 12 hours, whatever, which were recent. Sometimes I need to do that to make up for a sleep debt. I was shocked to see that several hours of the time that I thought I was sleeping, I was technically awake. And that was really interesting information because maybe I wasn't getting as much rest as I thought I was. Or actually, it seems like all the data is pointing to that fact. And that was, pun intended, a wake-up call. The other thing that's interesting is it does show when you are technically awake during the night. And that's, I think, based on your heart rate. So there's like a all these different measurements that the device gives you on your phone each day. And it'll show you what your heart rate was like across the evening. And for me, with my sleep disorder, I get a spike anywhere between 30 to 60, sometimes 90 minutes into sleep. Almost every single night I have that spike. The other piece of information that was interesting is that I generally don't get a lot of REM sleep, REM sleep. And that's incredibly important for our cognitive recovery, processing, and just overall well-being. All these different phases and elements and specific sides of sleep are so important. That's why I'm trying really hard to figure out my sleep issues. But it's turned out to be incredibly complex in ways I'm a bit shocked by. I have some episodes coming up on the show with people that specialize in sleep. I'm actually on the mission right now to get more guests on the show for the Friday episodes that might have some answers for me, but hopefully at least for you, maybe you don't have as odd of a sleep disorder as I do. I've apparently like a very small percentage of people have the symptoms that I do. But finding out that there are disturbances with my REM sleep was also very concerning. And it's all kind of adding up to how I feel during the waking hours. The medication also plays a big role too. For a while, I was resistant to taking medication for sleep. In general, I don't want to take medication. But I've started experimenting with more medications in the past few years. I mentioned on an episode I tried a medication recommended by a psychiatrist for anxiety and just overall mental health. The medication is Wellbutrin. And I was prescribed Wellbutrin when I was in college by another psychiatrist. And both times that I've taken it, I've tried it for a few months, felt a difference from it. For me, it made me feel a little bit more calm and less anxious. It's what it's designed to do. Um, the side effects of Wellbutrin are not super intense, at least for me. I think I got like a, a dry mouth and a cough 
uh, was the worst. Although that was not very pleasant. I didn't like that. Um, but I found over time that I was more interested in managing anxiety and stress and low emotions, challenging mental health days like I had today. I wanted to work through them with therapy. And as you may know, I've been in a consistent uh, therapeutic process with a psychologist since July of 2022. But the sleep medication has been a bigger interest for me until I realized all the side effects. And this is where they, all of these, all this information I'm sharing right now kind of comes together. Given that I've been tracking with my wrist device, I've been able to see how sleep medication impacts me. And none of the medication actually that I've found for my sleep disorder is technically for sleep. I have been prescribed two things recently. And I'm just sharing this to be very transparent. I'm sharing this because I I, I would like to hear more people talk about medication publicly. Um, and I currently don't have any reason to not share that, that I can think of. Although certainly this is, this is a private, privacy component, but here goes anyway. So I'm not currently taking Wellbutrin. I decided in... Gosh, I can't remember when that was. I think it was 2022 that I paused. This is like a little over a year ago. I paused taking that. I uh, talked to the psychiatrist. It's very important, by the way, to, to talk through these things with a medical professional and learn how to get off medication and you know all of this. Well, one of my doctors prescribed me trazodone, and I didn't know much about it. I recently found out that it is often used for depression. It's meant to kind of relax you a lot, I suppose. Now, this is very light research off the top of my head. Don't know that much about trazodone. I think I've tried it once in the last week and actually found that I did okay on it sleep-wise. But a big drawback to that medication, another one I'll share with you in a moment, is that they can reduce REM sleep. And the more I learn about REM sleep and understand how important it is, that seems like a huge trade-off, a huge con of medication is like, maybe it helps me not sleepwalk, but is that, inter is that interfering with my long-term health, with my mental capacity? And I've had to do my own research for this. That's why I'm speaking about it very carefully is that the psychiatrist that I've been seeing didn't see an issue with me taking trazodone. One big benefit of it is that you can take it on and off. You don't have to take it consistently. Unlike something like Wellbutrin, it took several weeks, if not a month for me to feel the benefit of it. I had to take it every day for several weeks to notice how it was impacting me versus trazodone, what I've heard is that you can just take it on and off whenever you feel like you need it. But the question then becomes, when do you really need it? And if you're having side effects, like are those benefits worth all the side effects? The other medication that I was really shocked 
to learn about and shocked at how little the medical professional I saw told me about it before they prescribed it. And this is another reason I encourage you to get second opinions, do your own research, make sure you're working very closely with a medical professional that you trust. Well, I saw a sleep specialist, told them all my symptoms, and a lot of their response was like shrugging their shoulders. I was like, ah, I, I don't know. You know, <laughs> like I've been told that so much throughout my life with my sleep disorder. It's clearly a disorder, but <laughs> most doctors, even sleep specialists, don't really know what to do with me. And this doctor said, well, we're going to have to investigate this more, but in the meantime, we can prescribe you medication. And I said, all right, I'm willing to try anything right now. They prescribed me something called, the name brand, I believe, is Clonopin. Um, I don't know how to pronounce the non-name brand. It starts with a C. I had read a little bit about Clonopin and heard that it was helpful for the type of sleep challenges that I have, mostly helping you not move around in your sleep. For me, like getting out of bed, walking around, potentially putting myself in dangerous situations is very scary. And both clonopin and trazodone are common medications to help with that. But because a very small percentage of the population acts out their dreams like I do or, or gets up and sleepwalks, I don't know how much these medications have been deeply researched. If, if, you know, if a small percentage of people are experiencing something and they're in the minority, they don't get a lot of support as somebody who's in the majority because maybe more work has been done and more people have been able to talk about it. That's another reason I want to be really transparent about my experiences is that I wish more people had talked about this. I also wish my doctor had told me more about clonopin. Because I found out that it's an, and maybe this is common knowledge, but for me, or maybe I shouldn't even say call it common knowledge because this was not common knowledge to me, but it is a very well-known drug. I found out medication and one that has a lot of downsides that my doctor, the sleep doctor specifically made no mention of. I had not talked about taking this with my psychiatrist or my psychologist up until last week. I mentioned it to my psychologist and I saw like the look on his face change. And he essentially encouraged me not to take this medication. The big issue that I find with clonopin is that it can be addictive. People can become dependent on it. It can be very, you can have withdrawal symptoms, but it can also disrupt REM sleep. And here I am working really hard to increase my REM sleep and finding out that the medications that I've been prescribed are, are basically making this an uphill battle. So there's that big element of trying to find what works. What I've been told by at least one psychiatrist and my current psychologist is that 
medication is, is really a short-term Band-Aid solution for my current situation of having anxiety, stress, and the sleep symptoms. And I'm being encouraged to do deeper psychological work to get to the root of them. But it is really hard. And today's one of those days that I woke up feeling almost like there were two sides of me. There's a, an ongoing side of me that I'm very grateful for, which has resiliency, which is very self-aware, which functions cognitively very well. And I want to protect that side at all costs. I have... I value my mind so much. And this is another reason why I'm hesitant to take medication. I'm hesitant to do anything that could potentially limit my cognitive abilities. And then there's the other side of me that the emotional side. And even though they're very joined, even though they're all within the same person, they feel sometimes very separate. They're not in sync. And that's really hard when my mind is meant like my, I'm mentally thinking one thing, but emotionally feeling something different. And I think this is why often in psychology, there is a difference between by mind, body, and spirit you'll hear, right? Mind being like, I think cognitive, body being physically how you're feeling and spirit being emotional. And I guess I could add in the third component. All of that information I just shared about my sleep is, is the body side of it. My body is experiencing things that feel so dependent on my mind and, and or my spirit, but because they don't all feel in harmony none of them feels like they're working well, <laughs> you know, and given that if I take something from my body, like the medication, if I take that from my body, if that impacts my mind, my cognitive functioning in a bad way, I don't want to take it. But maybe what I'm taking from my body is also benefiting my spirit. Like I, I'm thinking spiritually with the emotion side of it being anxiety and stress, but ideally, I want them all to work together. It's just today they're not. And I was able to show up and, and record this episode. I'm able to show up and talk logically through what I'm experiencing. That doesn't take a lot of effort. That's what I meant earlier when I said it's, it's not that challenging because my mind is actually functioning well today. But I feel emotionally fatigued. I wouldn't say that I feel exhausted, thankfully. I do occasionally experience tremendous emotional exhaustion where it, everything feels incredibly challenging for me. And I feel a little bit better right now as recording than I did earlier. Earlier, Although my mind and my body were functioning decently, the emotional weight, the heaviness I was feeling felt so intense, I, I felt a bit panicked. And 
because I'm not consistently taking any anti-anxiety medication, although I, I, clonopin, by the way, I believe is often prescribed for that. So I could go take a clonopin because I have it. It's been prescribed to me, but I'm very, I'm actually quite afraid of it. I'm afraid to take it during the day. Uh, I know a lot of people do take it during the day, but I'm afraid of the physical response. And I'm afraid that if I were to take something from, to reduce my anxiety and stress, my body wouldn't function as well and my mind wouldn't function so well. So it's almost as if I'm, my emotional spiritual state is at the expense of my body and mind. That is probably one of my ongoing experiences, things I bring to therapy. And it's really tricky with the medical system because the medical system often treats the mind or, or I'm sorry, the body, maybe the mind, but the spiritual side, not as much. And I will say that my psychologist has been treating my spirit primarily, and he is just extraordinary. But because I've been working with him since July, I can tell you it is a long road. <laughs> when I shared with him my recent sleep findings and when he heard again about the clonopin, he, he said, you know, Winnie, I really feel like there's an emotional root to your sleep challenges. And I'm curious if he's right about that. But because it's such a long road, it feels so frustrating. What do you do on days that are really hard? And I think that that's just part of work in general. That's part of the discomfort is knowing that you're doing the work and making progress, but it feels so small and you want it to feel really big. You, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I'll speak for myself. I can see the progress. Again, my mind sees the progress. My body hard to say. I've noticed for myself that my body responds very slowly. I talked about my recent dietary changes that I made in February. And in case you didn't listen to that episode or forgot what I mentioned, I, I switched over or back to a low carbohydrate plant-based diet. And it took weeks for me to notice a shift physically. I did notice shifts. Actually, I should, let me say, I did notice some physical shifts. Uh, it's commonly referred to as the keto diet. And it's an interesting process <laughs> um, to switch from a moderate or high carbohydrate diet to a low carbohydrate. There's a lot that goes on in your body. And I was mostly eager for the energy component of it, the reduced inflammation, it's big for me. And also, as I mentioned in a lot of transparency, I was eager for some of the weight loss sides of it. 
because I felt really out of control weight wise. Um, and that was impacting me a lot emotionally. That's why I made the shift. I thought it's really important for me to do something because I couldn't handle the emotional weight. So in order to move through the emotional weight, I also wanted to shed some physical weight. Um, and then I took a little bit of a break from the low carbohydrate diet and went more moderate carb for a few weeks. And just a few days ago, got back on the low carbohydrate diet and, and it's a, it's tough. It's a tough transition. Um, but it's all worth it for me. In fact, there is some data about how a low carbohydrate diet impacts some of the things I've been talking about today. Everything being interconnected, um, some of the sleep issues can come from the emotional issues, like my psychologist is saying. Some of the dietary needs and preferences or requirements, um, that is all linked to cognitive things and disorder. I mean, like it's all interconnected. And I was actually very excited to find out that some of the data I've come across for a low carbohydrate diet indicates that that can be helpful for sleep and it can be helpful for the gut issues I have and it can be helpful for anxiety. I mean, like it was like, it's all starting to make sense but I have to wait it out and stick with it for a long time. You know, I mentioned in the episode where I got into detail about the low carbohydrate diet, I'm, or way of eating, I prefer to say. It takes six months at least to really see a big shift for me. And based on a lot of the data that I've read, it, it takes a while. So to stick through things that are really hard there might be a long-term benefit, but it's also a challenging road. And today is just a day where it feels extra challenging. But because of my cognitive state, I think the plus side is that I don't feel like giving up. I just feel like acknowledging that it's hard. And there's a difference there. I think some of us, we come to a bit of a crossroads Maybe a, a challenge is that crossroads and we say, oh my gosh, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Or this is different than I thought it was going to be. Whatever those emotions are. And we might want to turn back. We might want to give up. And that's okay too. I think there's a lot of messaging out there that we should always persevere. But the benefit of clarity of mind and self-awareness is that you can decide when you get to those crossroads, do you change direction? Do you turn back or do you keep going? For me, I'm, I'm not planning to turn back. I have made enough progress that it feels worthwhile. And I mean, specifically the, the low carbohydrate diet, I, I feel really good about sticking with. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. It's just hard at times. That's all. It doesn't mean that it's not worth it. Um, but the sleep work, there's, there's really no turning back for me with that because I don't know. I mean, I guess it's just been such a huge issue for the past 
long, I'm not even going to tell you how many years, but <laughs> a good chunk of my life, I've been dealing with this sleep issue and allowing it to just sort of be and kind of sucking it up. And I don't want to suck it up anymore. But I can see why a lot of people would choose to suck up something like that because it's really hard. I mean, it, it seems like that many people would rather deal with something while they're sleeping versus dealing with it when they're awake, you know? And I'm trying to shift that. And it's hard when it impacts your work. It hard, it's hard when it impacts your personal relationships. Like I'm not at my best today. I feel cranky and irritable and I don't feel like I can control those things. <laughs> I'm trying to talk to as few people as possible today because I'm not in a good state of mind emotionally to, to be kind. <laughs> um, I want to pause speaking of being kind to read some of the beyond measure chat that has come through. And one of them is about taking medication for anxiety and the challenge of knowing, of trying to figure out when you actually need something. And the same person said just how hard to do. I, I want to make sure I understood this. Just how hard to do things have to be considerate. Maybe you can reword that. I want to make sure I get it right. There's a lot of thoughts and emotions to process and figure out. And the question for many of us can be, how much are we denying our, ourselves help? Meaning in this case, when it comes to medication, it's it can be really challenging to decide whether or not to take it. And again, one of the reasons that I want to be tra so transparent is removing shame from myself and maybe helping you address any shame about medication. Because I think there is a lot of cultural shame. There's especially a lot of shame in the health and wellness spaces, at least that I've noticed. There's a lot of encouragement to do things naturally. And that's great. I mean, I wanted to share with you some of the things that I tried today. That was part of my aim of because I didn't want to take medication today or specifically the medication I have. I don't want to take that. I'm afraid of taking it today because I'm afraid it's going to make me feel worse. Right. Uh, but I am open to taking a lot of plant-based supplements. So one thing I tried is some ashwagandha. I had these gummies from Gaia Herbs, which is one of my favorite companies. I actually went and visited the Gaia Herbs farm. Gosh, that was almost, that was like eight, eight years ago or so. It was a long, long time ago, but it was amazing. All organic, mostly, I, if not entirely plant-based, I don't know if their full line is, but these gummies are. I don't know if they worked. <laughs> I took them a few hours ago. Um, ashwagandha is stress support. And, and this is the thing too, like we, it's hard to pinpoint what works. I took this as a moment of panic, that moment where I just felt helpless and I wanted to take something natural. And I found myself like looking, like literally searching around my home, digging through 
various herbal supplements. What, what do I want to take right now? And there's a lot. I also tried Rescue Remedy, which is a homeopathic product um, by Bach. Box Remedy, I think is the company name. Um, I'll put them in, in the in the links in the description of this episode to both Gaia Herbs and Box Rescue Remedy. I don't know. Maybe they worked. Maybe they didn't. It made me feel better to take something emotion, like uh, on an emotional level, like or mental. I don't know if it was mental or, or emotional, but just taking something, it felt like I was doing something that could be helpful. I also had some green tea. I tried out this new bottled green tea with rose. Rose is a go-to for me, scent-wise and flavor-wise. It's really soothing. I also like the color. So I, I'm wearing my one of my rose quartz necklaces. I'm wearing a kind of rose color shirt. So color, smell, flavor helps me tremendously. And this organic bottled tea was really delightful. It's green tea with rose extract and hibiscus extract, and there's no sugar or anything in it. Even the color was nice to look at. This surprised me. I would say out of those three things I tried, this unsweet organics tea, that's that's the name, was really delightful. And it just goes to show that the power of the experience can be really incredible. Um, but that's not going to work for everybody or that's not going to be enough for everybody. Those Those are options for us. But medication sometimes may be the best option for us. And I think it's crucial that we discuss that with our doctors, but even that discussion process can be challenging. On a separate note, I'm trying to figure out my food sensitivities right now. That I mean, I'm trying to figure out so much about myself. <laughs> I guess that'll be my lifelong journey. But if you didn't know this also about me, I have so many food sensitivities and I just finally said, I'm going to go to an allergist. I'm going to get testing done. And I, I did some blood tests three weeks ago and didn't hear anything back. So I called up the doctor's office today and said, hey, you know, waiting for my test results. I want to know what's next. It was a horrible experience. The most, I was going to say incompetent. But I think that's kind of a rude thing to say. But the person that answered the phone was not very, was not what I wanted. I'll just put it that way. I mean, it, it sounded like they were new to the job, which I can give them grace. But I could hear like the person that's helping them in the background. And they were of near no help to me. And basically, I call up trying to get help from a doctor and the receptionist or the person that answers the phone gave me zero help, which didn't seem willing or able to give me help. And it, it was not a good day for me to have an exchange like that. Cause I am irritable, irritable. So it was one of those moments of thinking, wow, like even a, someone we trust for help with our body, mind, or spirit, if they make things difficult, that can also lead to a big feeling of helplessness, at least for me. And sadly, in, in the United States, 
I know not everybody watching live on um, Beyond Measures lives in the United States. So I'm kind of curious what it's like in other countries. But I think in general, the medical system is not that great. And there's constant obstacles, whether it's financial or time or, you know, poor training at a, at a medical receptionist desk. Like there's so many elements that can make it feel impossible to even get medication or to get the right medication. I mean, going back to my experience with Klonopin, I feel like it was a bit irresponsible that the sleep doctor I went to didn't tell me that the medication they were prescribing I could become dependent on like the, if I had just started taking clonopin every day, like they recommended. And what if I became addicted to it? Isn't that their responsibility to tell me these things? You know, it's, it's, it's a little bit heartbreaking when you can't fully trust a doctor and going back to the chat. One other person said that human made medications is a very difficult decision to take because of the side effects and going back to what someone else said earlier, I'm, I'm trying to be mindful of the names today, by the way. I always ask Beyond Measure members if they want me to share their names from the comments. But today I feel like this is a sensitive subject and there's a lot of privacy involved, so I'm not going to share names. But one person said, what level of feeling miserable and anxious do I have to reach to allow myself to consider help in the form of medication? And am I denying myself potential help just because I don't like taking medications overall? I never know which way to go. That makes complete sense. And that's, it, it's so hard. I mean, that's the theme of today's episode. This is not easy. It is hard and it's very uncomfortable. And I think we are fortunate to live in a time where we have lots of options. We have options. I mean, the fact that you can get all these herbal remedies or, or supplements so easily, you can go down to many stores. It depends where you live, I guess. Not everybody has access to these things. And ease is very relative, okay? Um, I work in the health and wellness industry, so it's especially easy. I can often get things for free. Like the Gaia Herbs medication I took today was a sample I got at, a, at the industry event that I went to a few weeks ago. So I have a different level of access than someone else who either can't get free samples or doesn't even have access to getting the samples to begin with. So very important to note. However, in general, in this time of human history, our access to things like ashwagandha for stress relief is a lot different than it used to be. And I'm grateful for that. There are so many companies like Unsweet Organics that are playing around with, with flowers in their drinks, you know, like you, in Los Angeles, again, speaking of access in Los Angeles, one of the reasons I love the city is I can walk down the street and find a plethora of, of these things to try out. And I hope that that access is much more widely available for people all around the world. 
Peter, who distinctly asked me to share his name today. <laughs> uh, I don't mean to call you out, Peter. I just, I, I feel like I, I can um, say that. But <laughs> Peter said, one of the weirdest things in the U.S. is that you don't have to disclose a drug side effects in ads if you don't, if you don't say what the drug does. Um, yeah. So I, I think what you're saying is because you live outside, I won't disclose your, your location without your permission, but you live outside the U S Peter. And I agree with your statement that side effects should be front and center in every conversation. And you know what? The doctor, that sleep doctor who prescribed clonopin, I don't think that they were intentionally hiding it from me. Maybe they thought they said enough. Maybe they thought the pharmacist would say it. You know, I will say that the pharmacy I go to is very kind and they, they give me a printout of piece of paper. And they ask every time I pick up a prescription, which is not that often, but the, you know, given that I've been experimenting with more medications lately, um, they do ask if I want to talk with a pharmacist more about it, but generally I don't want to, <laughs> I'm at the pharmacy. I'm trying to go in and out, get an errand done. I don't want to read a piece of paper. I had an expectation that my doctor would give me that information. Uh, and they didn't. And I think that is part of this whole process too. It depends on your doctor. It depends on your pharmacy. It depends on you. It depends like all of this depends, depends, depends. And maybe the reason that this feels challenging for me and maybe for you too, is that each of us are unique. We live in different parts of the world. We have different makeups and our, our bodies are biologically different. Genetics are different. Our family history is different. Our circumstances are different. All these factors are different. And what works for us and what feels hard and challenging for us is very relative to who we are. And I wanted to make a few notes before I end today's episode on things that you can try when you're having a hard day. It was my intention to talk about that earlier, but I guess a lot more things came out of me than I expected. <laughs> One of the things that you can do self-care wise on a bad day is to talk. And I'm grateful that talking comes very naturally to me, even though I said I was irritable and I didn't really want to talk to anybody today. It was a lot easier to talk to you, the podcast listener, and also to the Beyond Measure listeners who are listening live because we've cultivated the safe space. So if you have access to a safe space, it's a wonderful thing to do. If you want to talk, it can be really helpful. I think I feel better right now, although I'll also simultaneously be more emotionally exhausted after I finish this episode. That's the downside if you're like me where talking, communicating can feel really draining. But I, I knew that. I, I know that I'll be tired and I'm going to probably lie in bed and do some reading. And that 
are also those are also two great things if you have them at your fingertips. Um, actually, before I get to that, I wanted to mention that if you do not feel like you have a safe place, a psychologically safe place to express yourself and to talk when you're having a hard day, that's one of the major reasons I created Beyond Measure and I'm so devoted to it is I want to give everybody that access. I might not be able to give you access to all the supplements that I have access to or whatever, but what I can give you access to is an online community. And I think it gets stronger and stronger with everybody who joins and commits to supporting themselves and one another. The other two things I mentioned were if you have access to lying down, whether it's a bed or a couch or the floor, I think there's a, a different sensation than sitting down, but even sometimes just sitting. Maybe you've been on your feet all day. It depends, again, on your circumstances. Do you have access to just resting your body physically? That's a huge thing for me. Do you, but the access side of that is a really important thing to mention because it depends on your work day if you're working or your school day if you're in school or your family life. If you, especially if you have children, you may never feel like you can rest. That's probably one of the big reasons I haven't become a parent and I might never become a parent is I don't know if I have the capacity given everything I've shared with you today. I don't know if I would, I could be an emotionally strong parent. I've always felt confident in that. I have lots of love to give, but sometimes even taking care of my dog feels really challenging. Uh, sometimes on today, days like today, I feel like I can barely take care of myself. So if you are a parent, I want to, Acknowledge, A, I don't even know what that's like, but I imagine that some getting advice, like just take a break, take a nap, sit down, lay down, that might not be accessible to you. And so what is accessible to you? That I think is a really important question. For me, it is accessible and I've built that into my schedule. So after I finish recording this episode, I will go lie down or I intend to, I might change my mind. I will probably do some reading and maybe I'll lay around and watch TV. You know, maybe I'll, I'll find a show that gives me a, a hit of dopamine. <laughs> That's something that when I was in like a little bit of a panic state earlier today, I was looking for a dopamine hit. And that was a really interesting experience. I haven't been on social media in three months and social media, specifically TikTok, used to give me a major dopamine hit. And now I don't crave it anymore, but I kind of miss it on days like today because you know what? I probably would go lay down in bed for two hours after this recording and scroll through TikTok. Would I feel better though after those two hours? Probably not. I might even feel worse. But if social media feels good to you, go for it <laughs> on a day like today, if that's your self-care or maybe watching a TV show or a movie, if those are accessible to you, 
Maybe listening to this podcast is part of your self-care. For me, I actually don't enjoy listening to podcasts. I don't know if I mentioned this ever. I probably have. But I I generally do not like podcast listening. I love audiobooks though. And I I think it's because I don't have a favorite podcast right now. So I want to acknowledge and just acknowledge you, period, for listening to the show because I think listening to an you know 30 minute to an hour long podcast is is a lot of mental energy. Uh, for me, I like listening to audiobooks. Those are soothing, but because of the mental energy involved, they're not something I, I generally like to do on a day like today unless I'm taking a long drive or I'm walking or something else. Um, but sometimes an audiobook, a podcast, music can be really great. A meditation. Is there something auditory that would make you feel good? And by the way, while I'm listing out some of these options, you might want to write them down. That's something that I would like to put in place for myself and don't have quite yet is a visual list of self-care on challenging days. So, so far I've mentioned supplements. I mentioned a drink, maybe getting hydrated, eating food. That made a huge difference. <laughs> when After I ate lunch, I definitely felt better, but it was hard for me to go make myself lunch. Just getting to the kitchen felt hard today, even though I had food. Thank goodness I went shopping last night because if I hadn't gone shopping, I don't even know if I would have had food and then I'd have to think about going to get food or ordering food. Like that's really hard. So making food accessible for yourself is really helpful, but that's not always easy. Even in all my years of working in food, essentially, uh, it's a huge obstacle, especially when you're on a specific diet like for me with the low carbohydrate diet, there's limited options that are easy, but having frozen food is very helpful for me. Um, having food bars around are a big go-to snacks and thinking through foods based on my mood. A lot of people like to eat chocolate when they're having a challenging mental health day. Um, but finding the right chocolate, making sure you have some, you know, we don't always, we're not always able to predict when we're going to have a bad day. In fact, I don't know if anybody truly predicts it, <laughs> right? Like I had no idea I was going to feel this way today. So I wasn't able to prepare even last night when I went grocery shopping. Maybe I would have bought myself some special chocolate that I would really like, but I didn't, it just didn't occur to me. It wasn't part of the plan. So I didn't do it. And so it's not as accessible. And going to the store right now sounds exhausting. One self-care tip that comes up a lot is taking a walk, doing some exercise, getting fresh air. But on days like today, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to go outside. I might go outside later because I have a habit of taking a nightly walk. I don't know if I'm going to be able to stick to that habit. It's a hard day. Other people love taking showers or baths on, on hard days. That sounds nice, but actually I don't always enjoy taking showers. 
I do like taking baths, but it feels like a lot of effort. <laughs> and right now I just don't have the bandwidth for that effort. So this is what I mean. Like, can you write yourself a list that you can look at? Can you make that list accessible? Because I think on a bad day, access is one of the biggest keys. Maybe you want to put a list in multiple places. Like for me, I might put it by the corner of my desk, by the bedside table, maybe by my clothes. I want to make sure I'm wearing comfortable clothes, clothes that make me feel good, texture-wise, color-wise. What can I make sure that I can, if I can just look at the list, because my brain also feels like it doesn't, even though cognitively I, I am in a good state of mind, the emotional obstacles sometimes override my cognitive function and anything that feels like a lot of effort, as I mentioned, I'm like not interested in. So if you can have a list of low effort things for yourself that make you feel good, maybe just seeing that list is prompting you, especially in those moments of panic, because that's what I felt earlier today. I wish I had had a list pre-written of things that would give me a little dopamine hit. So I don't always want to rely on my memory. I don't always want to rely on my instincts. I want to see things that I have found to have worked. But who knows, maybe that list wouldn't have really helped after all. <laughs> all of these things are, are experiments, they're guesswork, they're nuanced, they're relative. At the end of the day, it's just, it, sometimes it's just hard and nothing's going to feel like it works. What I did find was the food, hydration, those were big. Those basic needs were big. Acknowledging how I was feeling, not trying to run away from it, not trying to hide it. Telling people, just like I told you today, it's okay to tell someone I'm having a rough day. We don't have to hide it from others. Sometimes it's hard to tell other people. Sometimes we don't even know how to verbalize it. But it did help to share that. So thank you for listening. And, you know, I watched a little TV earlier, probably watched some more later. That kind of helped a little not as much, just like social media. There's like an emptiness I feel from watching TV and movies. Like, although a movie sometimes can be really good, but it's a big commitment <laughs> and that's effort. I will link to a document I found because I didn't get into it as much as I wanted to today. But I looked up Tip. I, my search was on the internet, mental health self-care tips for a bad day. And I found a variety of different things. The one that was most appealing to me is from themighty.com. It's called 57 self-care ideas for a bad mental health day. What I didn't love about it is it start, it's all like advice from people in their mental health community. So I guess they have a mental health community. Maybe it's, oh, it's on Facebook. I was going to say it might be similar to Beyond Measure. Um, but the first tip was 
Shower, it's so basic, but if you're going through a really bad rough patch, you can forget about it completely. When you get out, you feel fresh and beautiful again, which is a huge boost to me. And I, I felt annoyed when I read that. I was like, no, I do not want to shower. <laughs> it's too much work. Just getting into the shower, I'm, I probably would feel good, but getting into the shower, not going to happen. <laughs> it might later, but right now, no way. When I was in a, the worst of it today, no way. Showering sounded like the worst idea ever. So I shared this article with you very mindfully, very intentionally, and say it might help you to read through it. It might not. If reading through it just to get some ideas and you're in an open-minded state of mind and you want to work on this list that I recommended for yourself, it can be helpful. I, I find getting a ton of ideas and whittling them down for myself is really helpful. But sometimes reading a lot of advice and finding that not, you don't want to do any of it, that can, that can make you feel worse. So that's there for an option. There are some tidbits in there. There were some things that I, like, actually one of the piece of advice was um, lighting a candle, which kind of sounds obvious, but I hadn't thought about it today. And I didn't really feel like lighting a candle, but I did smell a candle. I have several candles around because I like aromatherapy and I just smelled the candle. <laughs> And that made me feel a little bit better. So, you know, there were little tidbits in there and there were ideas for later. You know, even though I don't feel like taking a shower right now, I I will at some point this week, <laughs> maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow. Maybe I will take a bath later. Like sometimes the idea is helpful for later. And lists can be good for us to refer to when we're ready. So with that, I will wrap up this episode. And again, thank you for listening. Thanks for holding space. It's a beautiful thing to do that for somebody else. And the reason I started doing interactive live episodes of Beyond Measure is, or on Beyond Measure for the podcast is, um, I want to be able to thank you in real time for those that listen live, but also I feel like it's a way that we're all kind of holding space for each other. What we've been doing regularly before I record the episodes is have a, a period of time, usually 10 to 30 minutes where we all just hang out and talk. We did that last week in Beyond Measure and it was just really sweet. There's really no purpose to it aside from being there for one another, saying hi, checking in, what's new. And that can have a profound impact on our mental health too. So if you're looking for that or you're already in Beyond Measure and you haven't thought about it that way or realized that you needed it, I just want to remind you that it's there. And as mentioned, I will put links to the Mighty article links to the tea I tried and the supplements I tried. And if there's ever anything else, feel free to send me a message and ask. And I will be back on Friday with 
the special guest episode. I'm going to check my list to see who's coming up for you. Let's see here. The episode that's coming up this Friday is, is actually kind of neat. I, it's definitely neat. I didn't mean to say kind of neat. I was, I meant to say kind of relevant. Um, it's about your 80 year old self. And it's not super relevant. Like, I feel like that episode is very positive and sweet. I, it's not an episode I would listen to today on a bad mental health day because it feels like an exercise that would be hard for me to do. But when I recorded this episode, it was absolutely delightful. I was in a great state of mind for it. And it was a really cool exercise to do, to, to think through who my 80-year-old self is and do some visualization. And, you know, again, that might help me later today. <laughs> I'm just not in the mood to do it right now. But if you're in the mood on Friday when the episode comes out, check it out. And if not, that's the great thing about podcasts. You can listen to them whenever you want. So stay tuned for that. Check out the catalog. There are over 400 episodes of the show. I've been working on putting together some playlists for you. Maybe I'll make like a bad mental health day playlist. <laughs> like, are you in a bad mood? These are episodes that can help. <laughs> I don't know if any of them will help, but that could be a fun playlist. Thanks again for listening. Thanks to those of you so much for listening live and beyond measure deeply grateful for you. Thanks for being there for me and holding space for one another. I hope to see you again next week. Bye for now.